Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragnesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar stories and skillies. I'm your host, Ludmillanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Anne Gron, Math Machine, Lucky Eevee, and Stryker. Today is our 24th episode, and we're discussing 1997's The Lost World Jurassic Park as part of our first ever theme month of Jurassic July. So, let's get things started. Yep. So Jurassic yeah. Park was a gigantic, you know, huge box office and critical hit. So it was obvious that they were going to make sequels. Now, this is the only sequel of the Jurassic Park uh, installment that was based on a sequel from one of the books. Michael Crichton uh, wrote The Lost World, as it was simply called, um, as a sequel to the book. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I haven't really read it, but there is one huge change that he made because... Uh, the Lost World book came out uh, after the movie. He had Malcolm live. And the reason that, of course, he had Malcolm survive where he passed away in the previous book is explained by, like, one line. The doctors did excellent work. So that's all the explanation you get for how uh, Ian Malcolm survived being brutally killed by dinosaurs in the first <laughs> Jurassic Park bu- book. Not the books, though. The movies, on the other hand, are Yeah, yeah movies are totally different. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah um, the sequel, of course, is uh, named after The Lost World, which is a book written by Arthur Conan Doyle and, of course, has a very influential 1924 silent film, which we will talk about uh, sometime. Sorry, 1924 what now? A silent movie uh, called The Lost World. It's about uh, dinosaurs being brought back to civilization and they rampage uh, throughout London. It's, I see. The effects are good. They're done by Willis O'Brien, who would later do the effect works for uh, King Kong and Son of Kong, Black Scorpion, a lot of great movies. Mm. But there's other aspects of the movie that have not aged as well. Let's do it that way. But mm. getting back to this movie, this is one of the very few uh, sequels that Steven Spielberg ever directed to one of his own uh, films. Mm. Interesting. Apparently, he he was not really a fan of the finished product. He felt like it was something he did more for the money than for an artistic uh, aspect of it. Although I will say this, even though I am one of the very, very rare few who probably like uh, Jurassic Park 3 better than uh, The Lost World, (laughs) The Lost World is a legitimately good movie. I will make the case for it. It does have a lot of really good moments. Mm. so the movie begins with the uh, wealthy family basically uh, washing up with their yacht and their crew on Isla Sorna, which is the site B of uh, Jurassic Park. Now, this is the area where they made the dinosaurs, and it will come into play uh, in the next movie as well. Uh-huh. And what happens is the little girl uh, of the family goes off, and she runs into our first of several new dinosaurs for this movie, the uh, Compies. Now, I do like them in that they are really adorable, but yet they're deadly. It works oh, out yeah. really Absolutely. well for Jurassic Park. Like, she starts feeding one. It's like a typical, you know, cute scene. And then they start to really swarm her again. And, again, it's another sequence that is very well done. 
So oh, yeah. uh, what happens is there's another really uh, good moment in it where it cuts from the mother screaming to Malcolm yawning on like uh, on a subway platform. That's one of the little juxtapositions they do in this film that work mm-hmm. out really well. Yeah, especially so now, with the uh, background in the subway as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that you think he's on the island or something when it's revealed just to be like a billboard. So uh, Malcolm is summoned to a John Hammond's mansion, and there's a really nice cameo from Lex and Tim, and I do like that they did that. It wasn't really necessary for the story, but the fact that we actually get to see them again uh, works out well. Right, time. Perfect. That too, that too. And of course, we get to see the human antagonist, uh, Ludlow, who is uh, the nephew of John Hammond, and he basically discredited Malcolm for the good of InGen. And it's interesting uh, to see them because we get to see a juxtaposition between Ludlow and Hammond because Hammond has completely changed his ways in the first one. Rather than basically exploit the dinosaurs as, as a theme park attraction, he's been willing to protect the dinosaurs to make Isla Nublar and Isla Sorna basically the site of Jurassic Park and basically the behind the scenes of the Jurassic Park. He wants to make that into a nature preserve. So... The thing that's interesting is we find out Isla Sorna was abandoned after the hurricane and the dinosaurs managed to survive on their own well past the uh, lysine deficiency. And, of course, as Hammond says to Malcolm, as you put it, you know, life finds a way. Life, Which, uh, again, it ties in to the first one really yeah. well. Like I say, I feel like this is a sequel to the first one, whereas uh, Jurassic Park 3 is more of its individual sequel. But... We'll talk about that next week about JP3. Yeah, it so feels Hammond, like yeah, it feels like the Resident Evil revelations to like Resident Evil one and two, you know, or like exactly, Resident Evil exactly. three to Resident Evil one and two. It's oh, it's yeah, definitely absolutely. not bad. It certainly has a lot of great moments, and I personally prefer Resident Evil three over the the second one personally. But yeah, exactly, exactly, and yeah, Hammond has sent and basically Hammond has sent a team to go to Isla Sorna to study the dinosaurs, but the incident with the young girl on the island has actually caused him to lose direct control of InGen. Mm. And one of the researchers is Malcolm's girlfriend, uh, Sarah. So now, of course, Malcolm has to go there, basically, to protect her from the dinosaurs. So now we get to see uh, Malcolm's daughter during the scene when they're preparing to go, Kelly. And she's an interesting character. She's a little different from Lex and Tim. She's more... uh, not feisty, but more proactive, which I definitely do enjoy. You know, it's, it makes her a better character, compa- uh, not a better character, but a more uh, interesting character. Let's say it this way, compared to uh, Lex and Tim from the first one. So yeah, yeah. Uh, she stows away to Isla Sorna, and we meet the rest of the crew, you know, Nick Van Owen, uh, Eddie, and that. And they go to Isla Sorna, and... What's interesting is uh, Malcolm and Nick call out for Sarah, which, if you've seen the next movie, you know that's a very bad idea. But again, we'll get to that next week. <laughs> yeah. They end up being uh, interrupted by a herd of stegosauruses, which... Stegosaurus, rather, sorry. And they do right, really yeah. look good, yeah. I will say this. One thing I did notice is... This movie uses a lot more CGI for the dinosaurs. A lot oh, yeah. more CGI. and. It is notable in some parts. It's not the worst CGI. Let's say this way. It's still, you know, ILM. It still looks fantastic. Absolutely. They really have more of a handle on this. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I do feel ashamed that they couldn't use uh, some more practical dinosaurs. But on the other hand, with all the stuff that they do with it, especially later on in the movie, you kind of understand. So the interesting thing as well is that, of course, since we know the story of Jurassic Park, the, the dinosaurs themselves are a little less majestic and more foreboding. Yeah. Which we will also see in several of the other sequels for this movie. And there's a pretty good uh, gag where uh, Sarah is revealed to be just like a few feet away from Malcolm the entire time, which was a good one. And I do like how we find out, you know, the dinosaurs have been surviving. They've been, you know, reproducing with each other and that. And yeah, they've been really this leads to, again, an adorable part with the uh, baby Stegosaurus. It yeah. really, really looks adorable. You know, it, it is a practical effect. It is like a, I believe, a puppet or an animatronic rather. And yeah. again, it's an effect that really looks well. And I think the reason it does is because you really can feel it. Like it's actually there. And of course, uh, then it, it is immediately followed by the uh, the CG Stegosaurus doing the tail swipe against yeah. Sarah. That looks yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah so many effects were It's not bad. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, certainly it's noticeable, bad. but I don't think it's absolutely terrible. No, it's no, not it's good, not... but it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it, it's it's like uh, it's not the worst CG out there. Let's do it this way. There's been a lot yeah. worse uh, CGI in movies, even for the time period. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And the reason the Stegosaurus does that is because Sarah basically touches the infant, which is, again... Something that, okay, she's like a paleontologist in that, you know, or like a researcher. You'd think someone, even with like the remote amount of sense, would know not to touch the infant of a creature. Yeah, that's kind you of know, a bit like, kind of like, honor uh, on that one. Especially you know, something so uh, fearsome or menacing. Yeah, exactly, like I a mean, Stegosaurus. I mean, Stegosauruses are herbivores by nature, but yeah, I mean, with stuff like, I don't know, hippopotamus, elephants, all that stuff, yeah, that's kind of a bit, that's kind of a rough spot. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, a smoke is rising, and it's revealed to be from uh, Malcolm's, do- uh, Malcolm's daughter, Kelly, who has stowed away on the island, which, a little yeah. bit contrived of how they got her there, but... It does lead to a cool moment later, so I'll probably let it slide for the time being. Yeah, a little bit of a cool moment later, which like ties yeah. into something that happened earlier, but anyways. And there's another uh, cool moment where the helicopters show up, only for them to be real to be in-gen. And we get uh, probably the best new character of the movie, uh, Roland Tembo. He's basically a uh, he's basically like a Muldoon. He's the great white hunter, you know, uh, character archetype in that, but he mm. is good. You know, he really feels like an actual, really fully fleshed out character compared to some of the other uh, more one dimensional uh, people that are on the island. Yeah. And honestly, I initially thought he was played by Patrick Stewart, which would have been crazy if that was the case, but it was. That would have been amazing, but not not in 97. Yeah, but yeah, um, we also get to see some other characters, such as uh, Dieter, the mercenary who tastes the compies. No um, spoilers oh, on how he dies. Haha. Uh-huh. We also have the uh, paleontologist who is kind of the comedy relief of it. The uh, cowboy hatted paleontologist and his death scene later on, we will talk about is admittedly a little silly. And but you do feel but getting back to the character of Dieter, the uh, one of the in-gen mercenaries or hunters rather, 
you do feel bad for the dinosaurs when the mercenaries capture them and he's like, you know, electrocuting them with his taser and whatnot. But the cut to the characters looking almost comically sad. It's like a little bit exaggerated with like, you know, some of the expressions. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it actually, you know, it made me honestly laugh a little bit. And I know it wasn't intentional, but I think because the expression on a couple of them were a little bit much. Mm. But yeah, uh, we find out why InGen wants to bring the dinosaurs to the mainland, and that is they want to build a Jurassic Park in San Diego. Yeah. Which, after the events of the first one, you know, why would they even think about doing that? But again, I guess, you know, the whole corporate uh, sponsors and that, they want their way. InGen, you know, still believes in this project. And this is when uh, Eddie uh, turns out to be uh, not really affiliated with this. He's more of like an animal rights activist. And he lets all the dinosaurs loose. And the animatronics of the dinosaurs when they're in the cages, they look really good. They really do look uh, alive. In, in ways that they were in the first one, and maybe even a little better sometimes with how they uh, turn their heads and whatnot. And mm-hmm. then we cut to the uh, Triceratops basically uh, rampaging through InGen's camp and the other dinosaurs. And again, it's another sequence that is really cool and is a uh, well-done sequence, in my opinion. Because you get to see uh, it cuts from... Uh, Ludlow giving his speech about how uh, we will control these dinosaurs, how, you know, they'll make money on it, to the dinosaurs actively wreaking havoc throughout the entire camp. It shows that, you know, no, they can't control them and that, despite Ludlow's best efforts, which is something that will come to play later on in the movie as well. Also, thing to know about the activists, his actions go unpunished yeah. and basically he's one of the few like yeah, environmental yeah. activists i actually rooted for because like he's a good person with good intentions at heart despite exactly being, exactly you know, he's not like a terrorist yeah you could have they could have easily made him like a stereotype but instead they actually make him feel like a real person which is something that i very much appreciate especially in uh movies like this so owen takes the baby t-rex that uh ludlow was using as part of his presentation to heal it in the trailer, but of course this causes the parents to attack and this leads to probably one of the most standout moments of the movie, the uh, entire trailer attack sequence and the way it just starts I mean, say what you will about this movie, but it does have good you know, moments and piecemeal here and there, and the mm-hmm. part with the jeep rolling past the trailer and then Malcolm says, mommy's very angry is a great, great moment <laughs> yeah, and of course, absolutely. the T-Rex attacks the trailer, and the one that initially attacks and who does a lot of the, uh, well, let's do this way, uh, character deaths in the later sequence is female, so she's going to be on the uh, dragonist scale in consideration. Absolutely. She has more of a uh, browner color scheme, whereas her uh, mate has a, I guess you'd call it a greener color scheme. It's more really noticeable uh, during the San Diego rampage, which we will get to in a little while. But yeah, uh, they give the T-Rex her infant, and you think everything's going to go back to normal. But nope, nope the, the dinosaurs, the T-Rexes actually attack the trailer, and it nearly goes over the cliff in another really, really uh, good sequence. And this leads to uh, Eddie's death, which is 
One of the more, I think, uh, standout deaths in the movie, especially for a character who we feel really sympathetic for. Unlike, you know, Gennaro in the first one. It's brutal, actually. His yeah, death it is. Yeah. It's, it's actually more brutal than what Gennaro got in the first one, or Nedry, or really any of the characters. And this character was a good guy, too. It's not yeah. the most brutal death in the franchise. There are more that are pretty, pretty gruesome. Oh, yeah, but... the most standout has, have to be in uh, Jurassic Park 3, actually. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and we will talk about that next week. So mm -hmm. you have to be on the edge of your seat for that one. But what happens, Eddie basically sacrificed himself by distracting the T-Rexes, and he is killed by, you know, the female T-Rex and the male T-Rex, literally ripping him in half in their jaws. Yeah, and I we mean, don't get this... to see it on screen because, you know, a PG-13 movie and all. They couldn't show it, you know, in all of its uh, glory. Sort of. I mean, you do sort of see it, but it's a little, yeah, like, yeah. rainy and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, 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 I was questioning how it was PG-13 at times. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. It does get... It is, uh, yeah, brutal. Same thing with uh, Jurassic Park 3, which, again, we'll get to next week, but... Yeah, and I can only think of two other times where that instance has happened, where the opponent is, like, split in half. Nico Bay Transformers and the uh, and uh, John Carter of Mars. Yep. And those oh, yeah. are like PG-13 yeah, films yeah. as well. Um, those are, yep, those are really good movies too. So anyway, uh, the basically uh, uh, Malcolm, Owen, and, uh, and Sarah are rescued by the hunters. And there is one part of the sequence that bugs me. When the trailer goes over the cliff, it is so clearly CGI. Oh like yeah, parts of the trailer flying at them. That yeah, is kind of that is too. pretty bad. That that is probably, to my opinion, the the worst effect of the entire movie. Mm. That is true. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Tembo himself, you know, the hunter, he really is a fun character. Despite you could make the case he is trying, he is them trying to repeat the success of Muldoon. It is a very, uh, he's a really good character because, again, he feels real, like his interactions with the uh, other characters. And you know, the whole reason why he wants to be there is to hunt a male T-Rex. And even with that, you still feel, you know, that he is a fully fleshed out person, especially uh, later on in the sequence. Oh, and, yeah. And, like, he's also one of the few people who, like, see all this stuff happening with the dinosaurs out, and you're like, Maybe I yeah, should. Yeah, no, that's things. another good part that, you know, he basically, after the death of all of his uh, hunting team, which he will get to very, very shortly, he's like, I'm out. I don't want any part of this, despite Ludlow what offering shit, him. I'm out. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it really yeah, does help yeah. that he is probably the smartest guy in this whole thing. Probably, probably in the franchise yeah. when you get down to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, uh, he realizes. Ludlow, that this yeah. is just like he needs to get out because this is not what he signed up for. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, uh, uh, Ludlow is kind of a generic, you know, oh, evil businessman type. Despite the fact he does have some pretty good lines with uh, Malcolm and some decent rapport, I feel like he could have been fleshed out more. He feels more like a first or second draft type of character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we finally get to the uh, death of Dieter, where, uh, of course, uh, it's carthotic because what goes around comes around with the combis. He yeah. gets out his taser and he's ready to torture them, but they swarm him, and 
I like the uh, basically kind of hopeful thing where, you know, he gets the compies off him and you think that, oh, he's going to live. Then he, they swarm him over the log and you just see the little river turn to blood. And that, again, is another great visual. Yeah. yeah. Did you find did you find Dieter? Only yep. the parts that they didn't like. So, exactly. And that, again, that is another great line. This moment, this movie in general has moments that are good. I'm not sure if, like, as a full experience, it's good, but we'll talk about that in a little while. But yeah, the T Rex entering the tent is another great moment, and the entire uh, sequence with their attempts at getting the uh, dinosaurs back going to hell is another one. And now we get to probably, for me, one of the sillier parts of the movie, which is the uh, paleontologist's death. He has, like, a little snake enter his shirt, he freaks out and backs up into the female T-Rex's jaws. It's like, it's like, I get it, he's panicked, he got scared of a snake, but it's like, there's a T-Rex literally, like, like right mean, next to you. You're gonna I go mean, in there to get away from the snake? I mean, to be fair, it, the snake was probably poisonous. It was red and black, so yeah, you're dead, Jack. But yeah, yeah exactly, the snake didn't get him, like, the T-Rex ultimately would. Got him, and it was a more gruesome death, let's put it that way. Oh, yeah. But now yeah, we get absolutely. to what is, for me, the uh, yeah best scene of the movie, which is, uh, it's the scene of the movie that I think is the most iconic one, and is the one that most people remember, aside from the uh, San Diego rampage, the raptors in the tall grass. Yeah, it's like, I'm Jurassic World, so you know it's good. Yep. Just the visuals of, like, you know, the hunters walking through, and then the grass slowly starts to, you see it from, like, overhead, them slowly approaching the hunters, them not knowing what's coming to them. This is why Professor Oak warned you about going into the tall grass. Yeah, I am 100% bringing in Auroras with me every time I go into the grass. <laughs> like, <laughs> or, you know what? I just have a full team. Uh, you know what? Even better, Coridon. Fighting yes, dragon. Yes. It's, it's pretty much a dinosaur. I'm, and it's set to kick their asses. Definitely, definitely. Just take Best Boy with you, okay? <laughs> exactly, I exactly. <laughs> I will take Dino Boy with me. Always. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, getting back to this, the entire sequence is well done, and again, it really shows the raptors themselves how how badass they are. The one part where the raptor leaps up and just tackles the mercenary to the ground is, I mean, you know, it is a lot of fun. You know, yeah. like I said, this movie does have some really fantastic parts in it, and this is probably for me and a lot of other people, this, to me, this is the standout portion of the movie. Yeah. For the most part, honestly, yeah, I really the San Diego chase, but this was certainly yeah. one of them. And they have been CGI that um that all, the sequence with the uh, raptor leaping onto. One oh of yeah, the, it was uh, absolutely yeah, CGI, but yeah. it was a lot more fluent. It was it really was. well done, though. I, I couldn't tell at some points. You know, uh, well, I could because of the movement, but they do they did up the CGI with the raptor somewhat compared to the first one, and. It really does look good. You can tell they they uh, took the time to make the changes, and it worked out for the best because we they then uh, go to the abandoned building, which is a nice touch with the Jurassic Park murals on the wall. Which of course it was going to be uh, Isla Sorna where they build the dinosaurs. Yeah, and we actually get to see another lab in one of the later movies, but we'll talk about that then. Yeah. Now we get to the part with the uh, raptor pursuit and. This leads to a moment that is both uh, 
somewhat silly and also kind of badass. Kelly, earlier on in the movie, says how she was fired from, not fired, sorry, how she was kicked off the gymnastics team in school, and she manages to use gymnastics to kill one of the raptors. She does, like, you know, the thing with the spinning with the bars. (laughs) She kicks it out of the window, and it lands on, like, a spike or something, and it just, you know, instantly dies. And, again, number one, it looks kind of ridiculous. It looks like something that actually would be more in, like, Carnosaur than Jurassic Park. Yeah. On the other hand, yeah. it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. and it, it leads to a pretty, imp- yeah, and it oh, leads yeah. to a pretty oh, impressive good. line from uh, Jeff Goldblum. You were kicked off. Yeah, you were kicked off the. You were kicked off the team. Yeah, exactly. School gymnastics team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and again, Jeff Goldblum himself, yeah. he gives a lot of the uh, charm that this movie has. I feel like if oh, yeah, it didn't was. have him, it it would not be as good. And that's something that, uh, of course, the later Jurassic Park movies would try to replicate in spades. But we will get to that when we get to that. So, yeah, uh, for now, though, uh, Ludlow gives a speech about how Jurassic Park San Diego is going to be a success. And they manage to bring uh, the T-Rex and its infant to San Diego. And unfortunately for us, for this uh, podcast... The T-Rex that is brought to San Diego is a male. male. Unfortunately. Well, could have talked a lot about the San Diego Rampage. We still are, but probably not as in-depth as we would have if it was a female Tyrannosaurus. Yep. So the ship that it's brought on to San Diego is a cute little Easter egg. It's called the SS Venture, which is the same name as the boat from the original King Kong, which... Really nice touch there, you know, bringing back an animal from prehistoric times to a modern metropolis and all. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I also remember, I also hear Venture, and I think of the Venture Bros, so that's an even bigger bonus. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. That's chaos theory. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, there is one part of this uh, movie that does not make sense. Uh, Basically, everybody on the ship is dead. How did the T-Rex do it? If it was like a... you know, I we are supposed to surmise that it escaped from its pan and it, you know, attacked the crew and that, but in that case, how did the boat make it from Isla Sorna to San Diego? I'm not trying to be like, you know, oh plot hole ding kind of person, but it is something that probably like really the Panama Canal or something. That and the deaths seem more like raptor deaths than Exactly, T-Rex exactly. Deaths. To mm. me, what it reminds me of with like the uh, you see the captain, you know, to the wheel on that. It reminds me of the scene from Bela Lugosi's Dracula, where the ship comes into London and the entire crew is dead. Maybe it was an attempt to make a reference to that, but there's a difference in that you know it was Count Dracula, a you know not human being, but someone with human level intellect, not a dinosaur. Oh, mm. yeah, yeah. So, anyway, uh, the security guard uh, stupidly presses the button that releases the T-Rex from his pen, and he just goes on a rampage. And the San Diego rampage, I could feel, is what this movie was building up to, and it is a lot of fun. It has really good sequences, like the T-Rex ramming into a bus, thinking like it's another predator and that, and causing people to fall out the windows. It drinking from a swimming pool, and really, one part that is almost brutal is you know, it killing a dog, you know, because it's shown, you know, with a oh, dog yeah. uh, house in its mouth. 
I mean, it was hungry. That too. And, and it kills several people on the street. And during the aforementioned uh, bus sequence, it crashes into a video store, which, number one, remember video stores? You know, I good do. Times, good times. But number two, the video store has a poster that it's something that you can only see, you know, if you really pause the movie because it's on only for a couple of frames. It's King Lear with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which I wonder, was that a dig at Last Action Hero? Because that movie came out the exact same summer as Jurassic Park and it had the entire sequence with Arnold as Hamlet. They also had um, an advertisement for uh, Jack starring Robin Williams. Uh, yeah, that movie done yeah. by Spielberg's good friend, uh, Francis Ford Coppola. And one of my favorite movies, even while I was growing up. Yep. Another one of the. Yep. So anyway, uh, we get to see the unopened Jurassic Park San Diego. And it is another fun set piece showing uh, it's still being under construction and how they were going to do it. And the thing that's interesting is it looks like another zoo. It, you know, it doesn't really, you know, look like the majestic of Jurassic Park. It, mm, that is it's true. one thing that's interesting to uh, consider about is that uh, how uh, InGen without Hammond, we're going to do it on the cheap. Mm, Basically, okay. it seemed like that. So anyway, uh, Malcolm and Sarah rescue the infant. You know, they give it back to the uh, father T-Rex and that. And Ludlow uh, gets a pretty horrific death because... He still wants to get the infant T-Rex, even after all of the complete nonsense that had happened throughout the movie, thanks to him and his desire to make Jurassic Park San Diego, all of the death and carnage. And basically, the male T-Rex, you know, bites his leg so he can't move, and then the infant lunges on him, and we don't see it on screen, but it is not a pleasant death. He gets Honestly, eaten. Uh, that was a kind of comeuppance, if you think about it. Yeah, it was. It was like uh, his comeuppance for everything that he did throughout the movie. Oh, yeah. Which, yep. honestly, I love those. Honestly, I think those kind of deaths are funny in certain movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are. It's, it's adorable, cathartic. all things considered. It, it is cathartic. It's kind of like oh, uh, yeah. Gennaro's death in the first movie, or Nedry's, rather. Nedry would be a better example. Oh, yeah. You really feel like it's uh, cathartic. So the movie movie ends, movies are really good at poetic irony deaths. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, the movie ends with John Hammond choosing to make uh, Isla Sorna a restricted area for the dinosaurs to live in peace in. And in the last couple of seconds of the movie, we get to see some uh, pterodons, aka uh, pterodactyls, and they get oh, a yes. lot more focus in the next sequel. A lot more focus. Absolutely. Again, as I said earlier, uh, I do enjoy Jurassic Park 3 a little bit more than The Lost World, but it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. It still is a well-done movie. It was a big success. Uh, Not not sure how well it did critically, but commercially it still was a hit because, again, of the first one. And like I said, it does have some moments that uh, are really, really stand out of the franchise, like the long grass sequence, the San Diego sequence, the entire trailer sequence. When it's good, it's good, but it can have the tendency to get a little bogged down, especially in like the first uh, third, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, yep. So now it is time for the uh, question of the episode, which is uh, what are your favorite sequels? 
And mm. I'm going to go first. And my favorite sequels probably of any franchise are, is probably going to be uh, Back to the Future uh, 2 and 3. I feel like those ones are extremely uh, cohesive with the rest of the franchise. They're very well done movies in their own right. And it really Absolutely. feels like what they wanted to do was to make a complete set of a film, basically, that they knew what they wanted to do. They had, you know, point A to point B, and they executed it perfectly. There is so many great moments in both in all three of the uh, Back to the Future trilogy. And Back to the Future on its own is a really fantastic, you know, 10 out of 10 movie. But with the sequels added to it, there's something more magical about it that it wouldn't have if it did not have the sequels. Honestly, I, I grew up with those movies, so mm. I know what you're talking about. Those are great. So, uh, Andron, yeah. what would you say are your uh, favorite movie sequels? Woo. Like, are we talking like singular sequels or like multiple sequels? It can be, uh, it can either, be either, actually. Either or. Mm. Oh, man, that is a tough one. Let's see here. One of my favorite sequels. Uh, let me think. I would say Spy Kids 2, but um, that honor honestly has to go to... Uh, let me think here. Oh, man, there are a lot of sequels that I actually really enjoy. Oh, Bambi 2. That is a sequel I really enjoy because on top of it basically being one of the on, one of the only good uh, DVD sequels to like uh, freaking uh, well, an era where like, yeah, there's a lot of like crappy uh, directed the video uh, sequels and whatnot. But uh, alongside Dragonheart Vengeance, that is easily one of my favorite sequels, my, if not my all time uh, uh if not my all-time favorite animated sequels. And there's also The Lion King 2 and uh, uh, a bunch of others. But yeah, I, I, I think Bambi 2 is easily peak Disney because it is honestly the most pure out of all the franchises, at least until the remake comes out and botches that up. But either way, yeah, Bambi 2 had a lot going for it and it had a lot of things to ultimately like uh, screw up. And for me... It didn't, thankfully. Like, there are a few moments that came close, but it never really felt annoying, per se. You know? No, no, I get you. I get yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Always, so, yeah. Uh, I, I'm definitely picking Bambi, too. Like that. Okay. So, uh, Stryker, what would you have to say are your favorite uh, movie sequels? Uh, not saying this is my favorite. Uh, I'll get into that. But, like, uh, one underrated one I will have to give a shout-out to is uh, Lion King 1.5. <laughs> nice. I also like Lion nice King one. too, like I said. But uh, I grew up with Lion King too. I never actually got the original Lion King, unfortunately. Mm. But I yeah, see. my favorite sequel. Uh, this is even more underrated than a uh, Lion King one and a half. Uh, uh, the Lego Movie too, actually. Oh, nice. Nice choice. Oh wait, man. Now that I think about it, Lion King one and a half and Bambi two are both midquels, aren't they? Yeah, but it te- it's still kind of it kind of fits. It's a movie that is yo. Know, it's not the first one, basically. Absolutely, that's what we're getting at here. Yeah. Okay. okay. But yeah, uh, not prequels, but like sequels or yeah. or anything really. 
I also like Avengers Infinity War because like that was like peak Marvel shortly before Endgame and everything War else was only. Good. Was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Had really great moments in it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, Lego Movie 2. Um I was just uh sitting in there watching it most of it and it's just like they're just pandering to uh the new demographic until the plot twist of the movie occurred and all I could think was oh, this is actually getting better now. Yeah, you know, like it's just, it, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, the the this that plot twist will always stand out to me as like what made the movie for me. Yeah, sometimes a a good like plot twist or a good uh, unexpected moment can really change uh, how you view a movie from like yo know, oh this you know is kind of mediocre to oh my god they really went there and that's a good example of it. Honestly, that's actually what I thought. Like. They actually went there. Uh, even though it was um, almost expected, the way they um, uh, the way they did it, um, the way they portrayed it, was mm. honestly perfect. Yeah, that's yeah. very interesting. So, uh, Lucky Evie, what would you have to say your favorite movie sequels are? Well, I hadn't answered until you specified movie. Oh, oh well. no, it's okay. You go, can answer. Go ahead. Go ahead, Absolutely. what is it? Go ahead. Because my favorite sequel isn't even out yet. Oh, yeah? Answer it. What, what is it? It's probably, it's probably going to be Detective Pikachu 2 when that comes out. Sorry, what's it called? Uh, Detective Pikachu 2. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I mean, a, a sequel that hasn't been made yet is still a sequel when you get down to it. I mean, uh, I mean yeah. the game. I mean, the game's coming out, like, in a few months. Oh, oh, the game. Oh, okay, oh. okay, yeah, no, you're talking about that. Uh, what, what movie? What game are we talking about? Um, Detective Pikachu Two. Oh, Pikachu. I see. Oh, I bet that makes sense. I, I will definitely see that then. I need to get back to playing the. I need to get back to playing the first game. Uh, you know what? I might as well just download it to Citra when uh, when I have a chance. Yeah, Sounds that's awesome. what I. That's what I've gone and done. Yeah, I need to actually play that one of these days. Anyway, it's, it's uh, good. Continuing. You really should. Hell yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely. It is a, a classic series, and I can understand why you'd be excited for it. If we're talking about video game sequels, I'm excited for Pikmin 4, but that'll be a lot of fun when that comes uh, out, too. I played the original Pikmin as well as Pikmin 3, uh, yeah. the demo of it anyway. Yeah. It's not... Uh, it's not like my uh my cup of tea because they kind of um uh in a way uh, uh it's not as exciting if you know what I, if you know what I mean like because like the uh they you gotta upgrade you gotta get upgrades so you can get more Pikmin in your party. I can I can see that I can see how some people wouldn't like it, but I really enjoy it regardless. All right, that's good. So now it is time for the uh, patent pending um, dragon. Oh, math machine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. sorry, sorry. Sorry, yeah, about that. That, sorry about that. Whoops. Yep. <laughs> You're fine. It's all good. Math, you have the floor. All right. Uh, this isn't my favorite movie that is a sequel or has two in front of it or however you want to phrase that. But I believe that this is the best what I define a sequel should be an improvement on the original or an expansion on the original uh, Rescuers Down Under. 
Nice. nice. I actually like that one. Yeah. Dang. Better animation. Uh, much better story. Much, much better villain and characters yeah, overall. Way better. Just yeah. everything about it another... was an improvement oh, yeah. over the original. Yeah. They kind yeah. of overplayed it on, on Disney at one point, though. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah, because like, it made Disney nothing in years. Yeah. yeah, they overplayed it. Like, holy shit. Yeah, probably mm. to uh, probably because it didn't do well in the in theaters because it was released opposite of a huge hit, Home Alone. Yep, yeah, that uh, makes sense. Yeah. And of course, oh, that uh, on a Cartoon Network, they uh, played uh, uh, "Cats Don't Dance" so much. Just like oh, yeah, the sometimes rest, when they play stuff like that, there. it can definitely be a lot. Yeah, that ultimately makes sense. Yep. But yeah, continuing. Sorry, Math Machine. No, it's okay. But yeah, just everything about uh, Rescue Us Down Under I found to be an improvement over the original, and I think that that's what a sequel is supposed to do. It's supposed to improve and enhance, and so few actually Absolutely. do that. So this is one of those rare ones that, in my definition of what a sequel should be, actually fulfills that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I actually Very have to right. agree with that. Absolutely. I also like the Land Before Times 4 and uh, the Great Long Neck Migration as well. They're all right. Yeah, I can Although, see like, the, the, It seems like after a while, they uh, they just milked uh, the franchise, you know, Land Before Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah the really sequels did. did get to a little bit of a ridiculous level at one point. Yeah, we'll cover that a little later. Yeah, yeah, m- probably later on the podcast uh, as time goes on. Absolutely. But yeah, now it is time for the uh, patent-pending Dragonist scale, and we're going to talk about the dinosaurs from the Lost World, save for the uh, male T-Rex with the uh, entire San Diego rampage, so yeah. we're not going to take that into consideration. Now, with that being said, with the sequence such as the trailer... Um, the part where the T-Rex invades the tent and the tall grass sequence, which really, to me, is the standout of the movie, I am going to give it a 7 out of 10. And the reason that low of a score, I feel like it this movie, the dinosaurs start becoming more like monsters than actual characters. That's mm. something that they wouldn't rectify for a couple of movies, but as it stands right now, to me, they're more like... Not so much an obstacle, because we do feel, for example, the infant T-Rex reuniting with its father and such. Yeah, and the family, pretty much. Exactly. They don't feel as as alive as they did in the first one. Yeah. By that, I mean they don't feel as fleshed out as they were in the original Jurassic Park. Uh, That's uh, my thoughts on it. So, Angron? I am going to give the same score, but not for the reason you'd think. Yeah, again, as I said in the first Jurassic Park one, uh, science ultimately does play a factor in things. And while, yes, they're still, like, pretty awesome and whatnot, and don't have, you know, all the stuff that we ultimately want to see in dinosaurs nowadays, because, let's face it, we we have the proof to back it up. But the main reason why they're uh, a low score on mine is because... It's honestly both the same as the original, and uh, yeah, I personally rank the uh, T 
I'm personally doing this based off the T-Rex family because the T-Rex family is is easily the most uh, like for the most part humane of the bunch. And I also enjoy uh I also enjoyed some uh some of the more uh, somber moments with like the stegosaurus and whatnot. Also mm-hmm. the compies. <laughs> Yeah, them too. That they are another uh, huge. But otherwise, player. yeah, they're fun. But and I'm I'm not that big a Jurassic Park fan. I will admit, but the the moments with the dinosaurs are impressive. Even if, like Lud said, they're a bit more animalistic than legit like uh, characters. So yeah, that's seven out of ten for me. Okay, uh, math. Uh, in the original, I would have uh, given them a nine or a ten. So. It is just really disappointing how they were de-characterized in this, and that's why I've downgraded them in this movie to a six. Especially because if we were counting the San Diego scene, that's where they seem to give most of the characterization to the dinosaur, which, unfortunately, like you said, we don't count because, dude... Yeah. It's it's such a shame too because I've joked that was a better Godzilla movie than the '98 Godzilla movie we got. I could see that. Yeah, Godzilla '98 has moments, but yeah, you're right. And it, it, there was so much potential for them to just still give the dinosaurs personalities, and they didn't. And well, well they hard. look good when, especially when they're animatronics. There's just almost nothing there other than the San Diego scene. I mean, exactly. yeah, and also the T-Rexes again. Let's not forget them. It's oh, yeah, like that's they... what I'm saying. Almost. They yeah. were like the yeah. one that actually had personality. It's like they uh, it's like they only put heart into the final scene of the movie. Is what exactly. That is exactly right. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, um, Stryker? Um, I think I'm going to have to go with the same score. Six out of ten, because I just... The heart didn't feel like it was uh, as much there as the original, which is Mm -hmm. why the original is still, like, my favorite of the franchise so far. Classic. Yeah, definitely. So, I can can really see that. And, uh, Lucky Eevee, what would you have to say? I guess the same, I guess the same ranking. Six out of ten, or seven out of ten. So, what would that be, sorry? Okay, six. Yeah, yeah, good. All right then. Uh, Any particular reason why you'd give them that score? Well, like as like I've said, the only my only exposure to them is the Jurassic Park Fossil Arcade game. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. That's fair. Yep. So, uh, so if you have any uh, questions, or if you want to tell us what city you'd put a Jurassic Park in. You can email us at fierydiscourse at outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fierydiscourse. Next time, we'll continue more of uh, Jurassic July slash August because we'll be talking about the 2001 movie Jurassic Park 3, the one with the dinosaur saying Alan. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh. So uh, until then, thank you guys so much for listening and take care. Yep. Peace. Peace. Adios. Later.